This is episode 21, and I had the chance to sit with the executive director and deputy director of Mississippi Office of Homeland Security. They break down for us how they're taking the alert program out into the state and training first responders in the state of Mississippi. Okay, so my name is Eddie Molina, and welcome to The Call. So The Calls are our podcast for the alert program, and we'll do quick intros. So I am the Southeast Regional Manager, um, so I kind of take place, uh, I, I, I have the region from Virginia down to Florida and back over to Louisiana, and I provide training, kind of facilitate training from the alert program out to those states. Um, and that's kind of how I came to know you guys. Uh, I've been working with Jim quite a bit on training uh, in the state of Mississippi. But if y'all can do a quick intro, and we'll push right into the episode. Sure. Um, so I'm Jim Brinson. I'm the deputy director at the Mississippi Office of Homeland Security. Prior to that, I was the operations chief for the Mississippi Office of Homeland Security. Prior to that, I was the state uh, WMD coordinator for the Mississippi Office of Homeland Security. Um, I've been there since uh, 2004. Um, since I've been there, I've worked on uh, FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force and different stuff with them, and then uh, pretty much been here for what, almost 21 years. Wow. Yeah. It's a big career. It is. Before that, I was uh, in the Air Force. Oh, okay. Yeah. What did you do in the Air Force? So I started out uh, going into pararescue and then moved into uh, working in counterterrorism and security. Wow. Long history, long history dealing with this kind of stuff. Baxter? Yeah, I'm Baxter Kruger. I'm the Executive Director of Mississippi Office of Homeland Security. Uh, I've been here since November. I think I uh, said it to you earlier that Jim is our subject matter expert at just about everything that we do at Homeland. Um, before I was at Homeland Security, I was an Assistant United States Attorney here in the Southern District of Mississippi on the criminal side and prior to that, all military. All right, well, cool. Welcome to both of y'all. Um, so the state of Mississippi, the reason we're recording this episode this way right now, um, so it is, uh, it's June 9th, and so we're sitting in um, a post-Uvalde uh, time right now, um, and we have been cops for a long time. I was a cop for 25 years in uh, San Antonio, Texas, and we've been around the industry for a long time, and we know that whenever an incident happens, there's a big rush to get more information about what's going on in training how are our law enforcement, how are our first responders being trained to respond to these types of incidents? And that's kind of where ALERT comes in. And the ALERT program was, was developed. It was the brainchild of three guys back in San Marcos, Texas. And they came up with this idea that we're going to train officers how to respond to a Columbine style of incident. Uh, because there was a lot of active shooter training out there to some extent, but nobody really had a set program in place. So what they did was they submitted a, a request through, um, through, the, through the grant channels and what we were going to do is start training officers around the state of Texas. And it took, it, it, it took a little while to get those grants approved, but it started out training officers just in the state of Texas and it's grown. Mm -hmm. uh, we've trained hundreds of thousands of officers now. The, uh, the grant system is what funds our training. And we've, been, we've gone through all different types of training. Right now we're being funded by the COPS, uh, COPS grant funds. And we push training out across the country. And the way the program works is the grant pays for it and we send it out to the state of Mississippi. And we put train the trainer programs on for wherever we're at across the country. The way it's designed to work is exactly what you guys are doing, and that's kind of why you guys are here, because you guys are the model for the way the program works perfectly. So what we've done for the state of Mississippi is we've put on these uh, train-the-trainer programs, and you guys take all of the, the instructors or the officers that come through our program, and they become certified instructors. Mm -hmm. And as certified instructors, now they're able to provide training to all the rest of the first responders within the state of Mississippi. And that's exactly the way it works. And us at Alert, we provide support in that we'll send equipment out or we'll send resupply out. And sometimes we'll send instructors out to help you all out. But what always works best is when you take care of your own home. And that's exactly what you guys have done. And that's how you guys have 
earn these seats here on the podcast. So we want to talk a lot about the Mississippi program. And we'll go into the history here shortly. But let's talk about how, yeah, you know what, let's just go straight into the history. Okay. Let's talk about how Mississippi Alert actually got kicked off. So it was uh, after Virginia Tech. Um, the current, uh, or the, the commissioner of public safety at the time, who was uh, George Phillips, basically came to our office and said, you know, hey, what, what are we doing about this? How are we making our officers be able to deal with this type of, of program? So started doing some research, called some friends of mine I was in the military with. I was like, hey, I'm looking for active shooter training, you know, this type of training, what's out there? And um, three out of the five that I called said, hey, Texas does this, this training, alert training, and um, it's probably some of the best training we've seen because there's actual live action drills in there, you know, to get the officer spun up. You're not just sitting in a classroom on your butt trying to learn how to do something. So uh, said, great. Looked at it and uh, actually got contact information. David Burns, uh, I think it was David Burns. Yeah, was the first one I talked to. Said, hey, this is what Mississippi would like to do. Um, can you send me the information? So he did. A little bit after that, we actually hired a person that that was going to be their tasking was make this work. His name was Joel Lofton. Um, so Joel came in and um, to take that over, and I was like, "Hey, you need to look at this program. This is what we need to look at. This is the uh, you know what I'm being told is the best that's out there." So he got in contact with uh, um, Alert out of Texas, and then we scheduled uh, train the trainers. And at first, you know, y'all weren't getting the grant funds and everything, so we funded y'all to come down and teach our guys. And we started teaching the program. Um, you know, through Maloda with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tuggle, his folks, and we got, you know, troopers, police officers, sheriff's deputies, you know, anybody carried a badge and a gun. We kind of picked the first ones that went to the training because we picked folks that actually teach and know how to teach and can talk to people. And we started hitting the, uh, hitting the program. And then it kind of got transferred over to working through uh, Southern Miss for a little while. And um, eventually that got, uh, got stopped at Southern Miss and we took it completely under Homeland Security's umbrella and we operated out of the, the State Law Enforcement Academy, Maloda, Mississippi Law Enforcement Officer Training Academy. And we started running all our, all of our training through there. And so officers could come to Maloda and actually get trained in alert active shooter response for free. They didn't pay for it. We, we covered their food. We covered their room. We covered everything for them to be able to take that class. Um, now we're at a point where we do training all over the state, not just at Maloda, but we do all the academies. Um, every law enforcement officer in the state of Mississippi um, has this training. It's now taught in every single one of our academies. Um, so every law enforcement officer gets alert. So our thought process behind that is everybody carries a badge and a gun in the state of Mississippi is trained the same. Reason being is some of our schools, your first responding officer may be a game warden, maybe a trooper, maybe a gaming agent, you know, maybe somebody that's just riding by and here's the call. So we wanted them all trained the same so it doesn't matter who shows up, they know how to work as a team to go neutralize that threat. Um, we do training, at, you know, at the casinos, with the schools. Uh, we've got some fantastic instructors. Uh, our instructors are highly committed and understand the importance of this training. Um, they don't get a whole lot of extra benefits and money and all this stuff to do the training. They basically do it because they know that it saves lives. Right. Um, so now we're working on doing this, being able to do this training regionally and uh, to actually have locations around the state where with instructors that are there that can actually do this training with law enforcement officers so they don't have to do a lot of traveling. You know, they can spend the night in their own bed. They can show up and do the, the two-day class and, and go back to work and be ready to respond whatever they need to. Um, so we teach level one, we teach air, we teach race, um, sword, and uh, we teach craze to civilians. Sure, so, and, and just to kind of touch on, for the people that are watching or listening to the podcast, I want to touch on what our program actually does, and it's kind of broken down into three basic priorities. Number one is to stop the killing, number two is to stop the dying, and then number three is to get the, uh, the injured to a higher level of medical care than we're able to provide there on scene. Um, and that's kind of how our classes break down. And when people, uh, when we talk about this on, on any interview out there, we'll talk about the level one class. And that's basically our stop the killing class where we're after, we're, we're there to stop a bad guy from 
doing any more killing, any, any more uh, hurting of, of people that are at the uh, at potential, potential victims. And it goes from there to our medical class. We, we provide first-line medical uh, training to the first responders out there, to the, the law enforcement officers historically never got uh, medical training. Mm -hmm. And even when they did, it was just, Here, here's a tourniquet. So we're taking this several steps further and we're teaching them first-line care, how to stop the bleeding, how to clear airways. Um, we push that out there and we've pushed tons of medical training out because those are the first guys that are gonna have hands on the actual victims. And we want that, to, we want them to be well-trained. So we have level one classes, we have a medical class, we have an integration class, which is basically our, our, our what you'd look at as our level three class, where we, what you said is the A-Air class, it's the active attack integrated response. And we'll bring in law enforcement, we have fire, and we have medical personnel all on scene to include dispatchers who are actually dispatching the scenarios that we're using as training. And that's how we integrate training between all of the different agencies. And it's funny, so whenever we started that back in San Antonio, and we were, we were talking to all the different uh, firefighters and police officers, and guys that had been on the departments for 30 plus years, we asked them, how many scenes do y'all go to with each other? And it's like every one of them. It's like, how many times have y'all trained together? Never. Mm -hmm. And that was the standard across the board, and we kind of brought that together. So to, as the program grew, and as the grants kept getting funded, one of the things that happened also in reaction to one of the shootings, the shooting in Sandy Hook, is the, uh, the presidential administration put it on the Department of Justice to go find the programs that are out there and figure out which program is gonna be the national standard. Um, and after searching through all the programs that are out there, that's kind of where our accolades got built up really huge. And so we are the national standard in providing um, active shooter training to first responders. And from the fire side, they saw what we were doing with the integration class and they declared us a national standard as well. So you, the cool part about the program is these grants are sending training out to first responders across the country and you're getting national standard training um, just like that. But what sets you guys apart is you took the model that we had sent out there and you made it happen, you made it work for you guys. Mm -hmm. um, you basically started getting your state funds to provide for your state program as well. And whenever you guys need more instructors, you get in touch with us and we send out trainer classes and basically you're regionalizing, just like what you said, you're regionalizing all of the training out there. Um, and I wanna talk a little bit about how y'all created these mandates. Um, everybody is interested in finding out what, to what level law enforcement and firefighters are trained. Mm -hmm. And there's, there are requirements through all the academies in, in different states. Each state has their own requirements for training. But nobody has it set in, in stone or in, in law to what kind of active shooter training has to be provided. Mm -hmm. What was it that you, get, you guys did or what were the steps that you guys went through to be able to mandate that all law enforcement in the state of Mississippi has to go through alert training? So, you know, we basically, we looked at the training that was out there. Um, you know, we, so we got the laws passed kind of after you guys were basically said, hey, this is the national standard. FBI teaches your, your program, DOJ, you know, it basically supports your program. So we went and basically got with our leadership and our legislature and said, you know, hey, we need to make sure that everybody gets this training, um, especially school resource officers. So it's actually, we got with the Department of Education who basically kind of manages the, uh, um, our state, our school resource officers and said, you know, hey, they, they need to have this training. So we actually, it was actually put in law that uh, all school resource officers are required to have alert training. Um, the law stipulates that they have to do it at Malota, Mississippi Law Enforcement Officers Training Academy. Um, but basically we get, you know, Colonel Tuggle or the director there to say, hey, this you know, training is sponsored by Malota because it's all the same training wherever we give it. Um, so our school resources, all, they have to have it, and I believe it's every two years, they have to have uh, uh, alert training. So we started where it was level one, but since it basically says, I think the law just says alert active shooter training. So if they take level one this year, you know, in, within the next two years, they can take an A-Air class. 
um, they can take in a race class, you know, so they can build on, on build that toolbox on how to respond to stuff. And uh, I'll, I'll just say, like, the basic part of this entire thing, what's so important about it is that when Jim was just talking about you have different law enforcement agencies that may be responding to a single active shooter, and both of us from the military side of it understand that uniform training is important so that you can promote the interoperability that we look for. That is what's so great about having a particular type of training specified by law. Because it would be one thing if you put into law active shooter training, right. and that puts you into all different kinds of tactics and techniques. So our office, what we try to promote, period, across the board, is that anything that we do needs to be offered statewide and needs to promote interoperability. And, and that's a big and that's a big part of the mission. That was kind of what we were looking to do is to standardize training so we could all be on the same page because, like you said, there's going to be several different agencies responding. And it's, it's no different whether it's a, a military group or, or it's a law enforcement, a civilian law enforcement group. You'll have a bunch of different levels of training or different uh, ideas in training. And this way what's going on is we're actually standardizing one group of training and everybody's coming to the, to the party, everybody's coming to the actual event and they're at game time with all with the same training. And like you said, it's like you're, they, they can come through level one one year and then they can come through the air class later on. And we also have the sword class, which is a single, the, the, the single officer response. And that's a class that is perfect for the, the school resource officers because they're all in schools by themselves. Um, and that solo officer response class is just going, it, it's going gangbusters right now because everybody needs that. And there's, because of the shortage of manpower across the country, everybody's riding solo. Like all of the, all the street officers ride solo, all of the school resource, resource officers are solo. And that class, it, it's kind of, it's kind of it seems like it's going to be the next mandate for mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of places. Yeah. But it's like we said, you know, you guys became the model because you guys work so closely with your state legislators that you're able to push that kind of stuff up through through the uh, chain, and they feed right off of what y'all are saying. And that's one of the, that's one of the big difficulties that a lot of people are trying to find. How how do we make that happen? And y'all had had no problems with doing that. So let's talk a little bit about. So you've got a mandate that law enforcement has to take our training, mm -hmm. and that's huge. And that's kind of why we keep doing it. So we keep coming out to you guys. Um, what about numbers? Jim, what about some numbers of, of people you all have trained throughout the years? I know that you guys have trained a lot of people in alert courses. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea on how many people you've trained since this started? Uh, upwards of 23, 26,000 off the top of my head. Law, just law enforcement? Just law enforcement. Um, that's, I believe, on the A air training or air training, um, I think we're up around maybe five, 600 on that course. Yeah. Um, a race class, we're in the hundreds, but we just started really hitting that one. Um, and then uh, the craze class, we've done over 55,000 since wow. we started that. And the race class, is, is, this is one of the classes that you guys just started pushing out here. And we actually sent a class out during the, uh, during the uh, mm -hmm. Snowmageddon, during that freeze. Mm -hmm. And um, man, had officers out there training. So a race is based on an exterior response to an active shooter engagement. And one of the things, I guess one of the, the big things about our program is that we're data driven. And what the data is showing is there's a lot of engagements that take place actually outside of, a, of an actual target area. So if they're going to a school, a lot of engagements are happening outside of a school or at a house, you're happening outside of a house. And we're teaching officers how to respond to that, how to actually uh, be active when they're getting there. So we're pushing a lot of concepts on how to respond to an exterior, you know, have an exterior response to that active shooter engagement. So that class is starting to take off as well. And you guys, y'all have a, a lot of rural areas out here. So y'all are just starting to push that. Yeah, we've uh, we've had a race training. Um, we, you know, you guys have came in and done some training with us on a race. And uh, we did some, a couple train the trainers. And uh, we now just are really, I mean, we're pushing that because we've, you know, we've done a lot of level one, so now we're moving into doing a race to get those numbers up to the same. Sure. And then uh, we just had uh, sword train the trainer, so we're really going to be pushing that one out and uh, and try to get as many folks as we can in that one. Uh, you know, the, the other part that we looked at, so everything that we do is like you, it's data driven, right? So when I go to the boss and say, hey, I need, I need money for this, okay, well, show me why. So we really do a lot of analysis to look at our gaps. 
So one of the gaps that we found early on, obviously, was our officers needed better training to respond to an active shooter to neutralize the threat. So in comes alert training and we do that. Um, then we look at, okay, hey, a lot of our areas are rural. Uh, a lot of, you know, we have a lot of outside events, different things like that. Okay, we need to make sure we get all the equipment and we just need to start pushing a race. So we got, you know, more a race train to trainer, got our instructor base built up, our cadre built up. Now we're pushing that, making sure we got the equipment. Then we looked at, okay, one of the gaps that we have is, is you know, everybody calls us first responders, but we're kind of not. You know, teachers are the first ones on scene at a school shooting. They're, they beat us there. So they're literally the first ones to respond. So we need training that we can, you know, how do we bridge that gap between the bad guys showing up and us getting there to neutralize the threat, that, that gap in between. Now well, we need to train teachers on what to do. Then in comes craze. Um, so we got certified teach craze. We go out and we teach it. Schools love it. They absolutely love it. So we start getting requests, start teaching, and we start telling them, you know, hey, you get people in seats, we'll teach you. Yeah. You know, we don't care. There's, there's, in this job, there's no nine to five. I mean, I teach classes at night. I teach classes on weekends. Um, so, you know, we, we teach whenever necessary. Uh, just taught a class yesterday to the entire Harrison County School District. Um, and they're ones that have actually had incidents where craze actually worked and actually saved lives. Um, we had a school teacher that uh, took so, our craze class. Oh, I, I, want, I, want, I want you to hit the story, but I'm gonna, before uh -huh. you hit that, I want to talk about what the craze class is. So the craze class is a class that we started a long time back. It's a civilian response to the active shooter engagements. And that class started out as what we were pushing out to all the civilian population out in, in our country. And we were sending out, um, we were sending out training trainer courses to first responders across the country to be able to teach the civilians uh, around, or, or, you know, across the country. And that class has since developed, and we, we're pushing out another class as well that includes this, the civilian response plus uh, a stop the bleed uh, class as well. But back in the day, you guys had a lot of um, trainers go through the civilian response to active shooter engagement. Mm -hmm. And you guys also, you know, with the mandates that you guys have here in the state of Mississippi, you guys pushed that as a mandate for, for, uh, for teachers. Yeah, we put that in law. So that's in that's in law that all teachers in the state of Mississippi have to go through the, the craze class, which is a great thing. And I, I want to push into those stories that you were telling me. It's like I, I want to be able to talk about that because mm -hmm. that's very important. Because in that class, in that class, we talk about how we push the uh, the avoid deny defend. So maybe you can talk a little bit about avoid deny defend mm -hmm. and how it impacted those stories that you were telling me. Sure. So uh, so we taught the class. In probably a couple of years ago, uh, taught a class on like a, a Thursday. So um, the following Saturday, we had a, a teacher, I believe she was actually a vice principal that was in our class, woke up in her in the morning, came into her living room, and there's a guy standing in her living room that she does not know. And, you know, obviously something's up with him. So she immediately, and it's when she tells the story, I'll have to send you the, the email that she sent yeah, us, but when she tells us the story, she says that uh, she was calm. Because, you know, we explain, hey, you need to think and you need to breathe. You know, if you panic, you're going to make mistakes. She is going through the training through her head. I can't avoid him. If I try to run, he'll grab me before I get back to my bedroom or someplace. I can't deny him access to me. He's right there. I, my only option is to defend myself. So she reaches over into her kitchen over the little bar, grabs a knife out of the butcher block, and basically looks at the guy and says, come on scares the crap out of the guy he runs off cops get him later uh, most recently we had a school down there that uh end of the day they're wait they're waiting on a bus to come pick up the last load of kids um, the doors are kind of open there there's some teachers talking and um, this guy comes up and they talk to him a little bit they give him a bottle of water you know kind of see if he's okay kind of seems a little distraught well then he runs into the school two teachers are walking out he grabs one of the teachers and drags her into a room. The other five teachers that are standing there basically are like, we've got to do something. We've got to protect the children. So they literally bail on him, tackle him, and drag him outside the school and hold him until the cops get there. And he actually got charged. He's actually uh, getting charged and, and uh, potentially going to do some time for, for that. That's awesome. And, and that comes, like you said, is directly from the training. 
So in the class, we talk about avoiding, so that you, you avoid the bad guys, avoid bad situations, avoid the bad places that you know you're gonna be at, because that training's not based just on schools, but it's based on your everyday life. Mm -hmm. It's again, you know where the bad situations are gonna be at, so you do as much as you can to avoid that. Um, and we, it's, it's avoid and de deny is deny people access. Like what you said, deny people access to you, lock doors, you know, have your keys ready when you're going out to your car in the parking lot, have your keys ready so you're not fumbling with them at the car. And when you get in, you lock the door. When you get home, you lock the door. Go ahead. Yeah, it teaches that situational awareness yeah. that, you know, you, you've driven down the road probably in your neighborhood if you're from Mississippi a couple hundred times and, and waved to somebody who's driving by you and they weren't paying attention. They didn't look at you. They didn't see you in your vehicle. They were looking straight ahead, 10 and two, not paying attention to anything outside of the direction of path they're traveling in. Okay. So that situational awareness that Craze teaches and the alert training that we get is is huge. It really it gets your mind, as Jim said, out of the box, I think in our training that we did this past Saturday. Um, and so many people, especially in law enforcement, military, school as you grow up you're so you're taught how to think inside of a a window and yeah. a process to go through being able to absorb the complete total situation is is huge part of that and that situational awareness is really what's pushing behind all this training yeah and, and that's kind of what we push through the, through police academies and, and through military training we push that mind that mindset that concept to all of our operators out there on the streets but that's not a commonplace training for the civilian population. We're not pushing that in schools. So we're doing our best as, as alert and as, as instructors to push that training also. And that last D, the defend part, um, that story is a perfect example because we teach them. It's like, you can't lose your mind in this. It's like, you have to have a plan. And the easiest way to perform well is if you have a plan on all of the what ifs. If this happens, we'll do that. And if you go into the training and you push your your all of your students through it they're going to have those kinds of responses so yeah please do send me the emails because those all of the success stories man throughout the years we've gotten so many success stories so many saves where somebody paid attention to what we were talking about and it's that whole take the fight to the bad guy right and that's what we're looking to do so to backtrack on a couple of things that you said a while ago you talked about the equipment so our program when we push training out there the way our program uh, operates is we have grant money set aside to provide training. And if you want training, you fill out a hosting request, it comes to me and I talk to you and we send training out and I'll send the class out to you. I send training, I send all the training equipment to you mm -hmm. and we'll send instructors out to you. Um, our logistics guys, our regional coordinators, everybody is doing something. We, we, have every, we have a bunch of different groups that work for the home office back in Texas and everybody is doing something to where we can push everything to you guys at the cost of the grant. And you guys as law enforcement, you guys as first responders don't have to pay for that. But all of the equipment that we send out, it's, it's pricey and it's all pushed out to different training throughout the, throughout the country. So what you guys do with, with Mississippi funds is you all went and bought, so since, since we're grant funded, I, don't, I won't go back and actually plug for the vendors that we're using, but we have a lot of vendors that come to our conferences mm -hmm. and they help as much as they can. Mm -hmm. You guys hooked up with a vendor and you guys bought your own alert kits so you can station them, like you said, you all regionalize your training throughout the state of Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So you bought your own alert kits and now all you have to do is send trainers out to it. Mm -hmm. yeah. What was the process on, I guess, getting those funds in place? So, you know, basically we look at grant funds that we receive, um, you know, whether through, you know, FEMA, Homeland Security. Um, we look at, you know, what we have to do, basically what our priorities are as far as how that money needs to be spent. So obviously right now, you know, regardless of what you call it, whether it's extremism or, you know, terrorism or whatever, uh, active shooter falls into one of those categories. So we're able to, to look at and say, you know, hey, training folks on active shooter is going to help them be able to not just respond to an active shooter but also it's it's things that help them run other incidents whether it's a terrorist attack or you know anything like that um, so we leverage funds that we get from grants to the state of mississippi to be able to make sure that we have the equipment to be able to conduct that training and then we work with alert on the alert training and you guys supply us with the, the resupplies you know for the blank ammunition and for training the sim rounds and that sort of stuff so we, um, 
you know, basically said, hey, we, need, we want to do more of this training. We need to leverage how we can actually get our own equipment. So we actually have a company in Mississippi that that's what they do. They, they have active shooter training equipment. So we primarily go through them and uh, because they're a Mississippi company, they want to help Mississippi. They understand the importance of you know, protecting our children in the state. So yep. we, they help us you know, make sure that we get the, the equipment that we need to be able to, uh, to carry out that training. Um, we use you know, different grant funds to be able to, uh, to pay for that, different funding streams that we have that come to the Mississippi Office of Homeland Security. So I know that in the, in the past, and, and I, I talked about our conference real quick, and we have, a, we have an annual conference. I mean, it grows and it shrinks, but what happens is we'll get a lot of people that will come out to do debriefs on, on active shooter incidents, uh, mass casualty incidents. And we also have different vendors that will show up to, to basically, I mean, obviously they're vendors, so they're trying to sell their equipment, mm -hmm. but we're putting together kits where, where different states and different cities and different mm -hmm. agencies can come in and get their own kits put together while they're there. But one of the cool things that we've done in our conference in the past is we actually had Joel, you were talking about Joel Loft, mm -hmm. and he came out and talked about uh, putting the grants together. Um, Maybe we ought to get you guys out to the conference and talk about how you all got the grants together, plus how you all got the mandates pushed up the chain. Mm -hmm. Basically, how you all set up Mississippi Alert. Um, and for those of you all who actually are in the state of Mississippi who are watching this or um, listening to this, on it, it maybe the, the lighting doesn't show it properly, but we have our own crest. You know, Alert mm -hmm. has its own crest, mm -hmm. and you guys basically adopted the same basic mm -hmm. crest, and you put the state of Mississippi right in the middle of it. Because y'all did, y'all created your own Mississippi Alert program, mm -hmm. and it's just a sister program to our program. Yep. Um, and it works because we're following all the same steps. Maybe we ought to get y'all out to come in and kind of walk the different states through that or different sure. agencies through that because it'd be a perfect it'd be a perfect story to tell. So the kind of how our program works. So we have a training coordinator um, that works out of our office, Laura Fossilman, mm -hmm. and so she sets up the training. Um, she makes sure that we have the instructors available. All the instructors have to do is to show up the equipment you know if, if it comes from us she brings the equipment get the equipment there set it up make sure all the paperwork and everything's done all my instructors do is they instruct um, they go through the program they do the training we make sure all the paperwork's the way it's supposed to be get the paperwork where it needs to go um, now with our regional training um, these regional training places will do more of that and we'll just make sure that it's you know basically meeting the standard uh, making sure that everybody's following the alert standard, making sure that we're following that those protocols and procedures that that are in the in the manual in the training program, making sure that we're you know everybody's getting their paperwork, it's getting sent to your folks, so it's documented. Because you know, like anything else that we do, and anything that we do, you know whether it's you know federal level legislators or state level legislators, uh, they like numbers, so yeah. they like to see that you know hey we trained this many people. Um, this many law enforcement officers, this many civilians, and it didn't cost them a dime. Um, and you know, people are—they—they they come to the training. I mean, I had yesterday. I probably had probably about 125 people in the class, and it, that's just principals and 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 leadership at these schools. Um, then we go in and we do training for all their teachers, and you know, same thing. Well, we've been invited to jurisdictions. Hey, we're going to host a, a, a an air class. Okay, we'll bring all the stuff. Hey, we'll pay for your guys' room and food if you'll come give us the training. Okay, good deal. We'll do that. That'll save us some money, and you get the training. So a lot of people believe in the training enough that they don't mind spending a little bit of money because they know they're getting quality training. Yeah, and that, and that's one of the things, and, and I want – I love the fact that you're touching on all those things, but I want to be open about this stuff. It's not anything that's uncommon for the state of Mississippi. You guys, it's not just because of a post-incident that Mississippi is training this much. It's like the state of Mississippi, the, the citizens, the civilians in the state of Mississippi love the training that you guys provide. And you guys have been doing this. So having that many people in training is not uncommon for what you guys are doing. Y'all are pushing training out all the time. Yeah, so far, so just today, I've received uh, already three, three requests a day from school districts that want us to come in and train all their faculty on, on their training day uh, in craze. Um, you know, we went down to, we had our sheriff's conference down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. We right. went down and met the sheriffs. What do the sheriffs want? Active shooter training. Um, you know, and they're all familiar with it. Majority of our sheriffs have, sheriffs have been through it, um, but they want more of it. They want to make sure their guys are kept 
up to speed on on anything any changes and and keep them you know basically keep them ready to go at, at a moment's notice so we we get a lot of training requests uh you know fire departments hey we we want the the air training okay let's get with your police department sheriff's department and all your law enforcement in your region and uh, and we'll push that and we'll come down and do it for you and i think the takeaway from some of the stuff that jim is saying is he starts with the answer of yes if you want to do it we're going to do it we'll find a way to make that happen and i think that's extremely important to get buy-in i think too when you're talking about mandates and getting laws passed it's always good to kind of start with policy if you're going to have a policy in your office that all of your people have to participate in this training and they get to see how good that training is and maybe you can go get out go out and get some locals to participate in it as well to where that that piece is is huge we talk about how many civilians that we train in the state of mississippi every year that's that is a big part of why we have so much buy-in around the state is word to mouth or sorry <clears throat> Word of mouth is exactly the way that this thing spreads. And uh, so you don't have to have a, a negative incident in order for people to take it seriously and want to participate in it. Uh, what I was talking about earlier with interoperability and the fact that you have a uniform product, a great way to show that there is not, that you don't know what you're doing, because you get all kinds of folks that show up to this kind of stuff, is to put them all in there and push them into a situation. And you're going to have, if you push five people in there, there's going to be five different ways that they want to do things. And it doesn't matter if all five of them are highly trained in each one of those different things, it's not going to work. We're giving them a playbook, basically. Exactly. And I think the uniform playbook is what really is promoted by, like when Jim talks about our law that requires them to have the alert training. It doesn't just say active shooter. It specifies. And so all law enforcement gets exactly the same training and as, as well as civilian population. So several years back, the um, San Antonio Police Department, the, the, chief, uh, the chief said, we're gonna push alert training for all of our program. And we started pushing the training out to the whole entire, we were gonna push it out to the entire department, but he said, I want my, all my command staff to go through that. I want all of my lieutenants and captains, I want everybody going through it. And I was teaching one of the level one classes that we had a lieutenant in there who at the time he was a commander, the commander of the officer-involved shooting team. Mm -hmm. And he went through a scenario and I'm, I'm watching him. I go, I watch him go into the scenario, into, into the uh, contact room and he's making contact. He's shooting one of the bad guys and he sees the bad guy straight across inside the room. So he goes into the room and sidesteps to clear a path for the next guy coming in. And it was smooth, it was good. Um, he put rounds on the bad guy, and as he's putting rounds on this bad guy, there's a second bad guy in there who was actually tagging him from inside. So without re really realizing what's going on, he turns and puts rounds on the second bad guy, changes his magazine, and dumps more rounds into the second bad guy. And he was taking care of problems. I mean, he had great muscle movement, great uh, weapons manipulation. He had everything going on well. And when I asked him afterwards, how many, how many rounds did you shoot? He said, I think I shot this guy once and that guy three times, and he had empty two magazines onto these guys. He said, because of this training, I can now say, because when I would have officers come in and they would do a, an interview after their incidents, they would say, I don't remember how many times I shot. He said, I always thought they were full of crap. I said, how can somebody have gotten into shooting and not know what the hell they did? He says, I didn't know what the hell happened there. He says, I just knew that I shot each of them or I thought I did, but I had no idea how many times I shot. He says, this is a very realistic training and this is exactly what we need to keep pushing out there on the streets. The, the, the response that you were talking about from the teachers, it just goes to show how realistic you guys are pushing the training out there. Have you, what about some, some training from the, uh, or some responses from the guys on the streets? Have y'all had any good stories coming out of that? Yeah, I mean, the majority of our, um, you know, of our officers. So we had a, uh, it, was, it was called in as an active shooter event up in Cleveland, Mississippi, a few years back, uh, ended up being a murdered professor, got shot in his office, but it was called in as an active shooter event. I mean, tons of officers showed up. I mean, just a lot of them in a short period of time. And the interesting part is when we start clearing, you know, buildings, they all know what to do. They all know how to do it. They all know how to work. They all, because our, our bad guy went mobile. We didn't know where our bad guy was. So we're still operating that he could still be in the area, but we got to get, you know, some people moved into safer locations. 
and um, you know just the way they they cleared everything, set everything up, kept everybody protected. We got everybody in a spot where we could, you know, found out that our bad guy was off campus, drove away. Um, the interesting part is is the officers that realize what we teach them in alert training isn't just use an active shooter. You know, they like threshold evaluations and clearing rooms. I mean, these guys get called to buildings all the time because of alarms going off. Now they feel a lot more confident if they're going in and clearing this because they're clearing it using the same principles we would for an active shooter because they know that it works. Um, you know, if you, if you just look at the critiques, I mean, our, I've only got, I've been doing this since we started and I've only gotten one bad critique. Um, and that was basically had to do with language. Yeah. Um, which, if I remember correctly, <laughs> when, when David Burns came down and, and did our class, he got the same critique. Um, and just like him, we, we address those on the spot. Right. The only bad mark we ever get in the critiques is everybody wants the training to be longer. Yeah. You know, now their chiefs and their sheriffs are kind of happy with that time frame, but <laughs> all the, you know, everybody, um, whether it's recruits or whether it's guys that have been on the job for, for years, they all, you know, hey, I wish this would be longer. You know, more scenarios, more of this, because, you know, other than shooting on the range, a lot of these guys, that's the only time they really get to know and realize what they would do if something really happened and how they would function. And um, you can tell, I mean, they're, they're treating it like it's real and it's a real bad guy and it's real kids and, you know, real gunshots. And they, the, the training just benefits them on a whole lot of levels other than just an active shooter response. And that's what we get a lot from the guys on the street is, you know, hey, this stuff helped me because of, you know, what I learned in alert. Um, it's really high quality stuff. I went, I went through it what, last week. Yeah. Was it last week? We went through it, and it was taught in the evening. Is when Jim taught the class in the evening after work, and he had a lot of participants from. I think it was a reserve sheriff's program. It was, uh, so reserve sheriff's deputies have to take this program as well as part of their academy. Wow. Um, so we did uh, Rankin County hosted reserve uh, program there, the reserve academy. So we had representation from Madison County, Mississippi, Yazoo County, Mississippi, and Rankin County, Mississippi. Um, and I mean, these people have day jobs. Um, and uh, it was kind of interesting watching some of these folks go through the live action. Um, we had one, one female in the class that uh, you could tell she definitely paid attention because um, she was tearing bad guys up and uh, didn't get a scratch because she paid attention on threshold evaluations and entering yes. rooms. Um, and she, this is a reservist. You know, my first question to her was, hey, why don't you go full time? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where these folks really learn a whole lot on, on things that they never really thought about, like how would I get into this door if I had to? And why in the hell don't I carry a go bag and tools in my car that will help me do my job better that are inexpensive and actually work instead of waiting on, you know, the department to buy it for me I can go to Home Depot and get a, a tool that will, you know, help me save lives. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty amazing to see their level of competence and confi confidence grow throughout those couple of days and yeah. what they were doing. It yeah. was it was really great to watch them actually work the scenario and go from that freeze type mentality to you know what I can do this, and and I'm built for this and I'm capable. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I've, I've preached this to, I've said this on the podcast before, and I've preached this to my kids as long as they can remember, but confidence, confidence is a dope of choice for the people in our, in our industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a dope of choice for all the top-level athletes. It, confidence, it's, there's no match for it, and that all comes from experience and from good training and from good trainers and from dedication to what you're doing, but we try as a training program to push that out there, and, that, and that's just going to build and build and build. Um, but Baxter, you, you know, you talk a lot about you're you're the executive director. You know, it's like that's a big position, and for the executive director to start stepping out there and actually taking part in the training that you guys are providing, that's a huge thing. Well, we I love training. I can tell you that. So. And that's a, that's a big thing. So we don't we don't hit on politics. Like we're not politicians. We're we're law enforcement and we're trainers, and that's what we're all concerned about. But as the director, as the executive director. What's your goal, man? What, what are the next steps? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to do this job very, very well. I've got a great commissioner in uh, Sean Tindall, and I've got a great governor in Tate Reeves, and they both support our office fully. 
um, and have empowered our office to do everything that we need to do, especially when it comes to the school school resource and, and school shooting. As far as active shooter in that piece goes, uh, I don't think that we've got a I'm unaware of a better setup in another state than what Mississippi has, and that's what we're going to continue to push. Um, as far as my participation in training, I believe my office sells it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to know what I'm talking about. So when Jim, Jim and I were actually, I think, driving back from the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and he said, yeah, I'm teaching an alert class tonight. And I said, well, you know what? I think I'm going to attend. And so I went through the, the classes and, the, and, the, and then went through the training on Saturday. Uh, with the the live fire rounds and uh, or the sim rounds rather, and I was I was very surprised at how high quality it was. It's one thing to talk about it; it's a wholly different experience when you participate in it. When you actually start smelling that powder burn, as you and like you talked about earlier with the uh, um, officer who emptied a couple of magazines, yeah. I was in the same boat. I rolled in and engaged the target. Thought I shot him twice, fired four rounds. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm a former prosecutor. That's a question that you ask, um, and that's, that's relevant. And yeah. now I'm kind of conscious of it. And so, uh, you know, this is not going to be the only time I go through alert level one training. I'm going to do as many of these classes as I possibly can because of how, how high quality it is. And, you know, just drawing on the experience from the military side from when I was an enlisted soldier, um, in combat arms, that was, I've done room clearing procedures. I've done more comprehensive team movement contact and uh, gone through those drills. This type of training is, is so good. I was talking to um, one of the guardsmen uh, last week, our domestic operations commander, about that I think you might want to look at this as a, as a very real thing to start putting some soldiers through. Maybe a select group, maybe your MPs, maybe our security forces, but it was it was as high quality, if not higher, than most of all the training I've ever gotten out of the military. So it's because you had a great instructor. I did have a great instructor <laughs> who who I'll tell you what, you go sit in a classroom from seven till ten. That's a really tough class to teach to keep people's attention, and it was it was very very entertaining as well as informative. So I, I've got to give brag a little bit on Jim with that. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, can, I can definitely jump on that wagon a lot. Um, our program has been around for 20 years, and we have changed things, and we have grown, and we have built things up, and we have added classes on. Um, our staff kicks butt. Um, you guys get to know the regional managers, and you guys get to know our directors and our executive directors. The people you don't get to see, um, our coordinators, um, the coordinators do an unbelievable amount of work to make the classes actually happen. Uh, Zane's crew back at the mm -hmm. back at the house, the all the logistics guys, the guys who run the warehouse, it's crazy how much work they do. They run a range, plus they're running all the equipment going out to all the different states. But what sells our program, what makes our program the national standard is the instructors. The adjuncts that we're sending out there to teach the program, they're unmatched. Mm -hmm. And, and we follow up on them and we'll go visit classes, all the regional managers will go visit classes in their region because we wanna make sure that they're up to par. We read all of the critiques that are coming back because we wanna make sure that they're constantly pushing it out there and that's exactly why the classes in Mississippi stand out is because you guys are pushing out good instructors. Oh yeah, we have, our instructors are incredible and our instructors do it because they're very passionate about the training um, and you can tell that in the way they teach. You know, they, they, they've got no problem getting with a student who's having a little bit of problem and, and saying, hey, stay back a little bit. Let me show you how to do this because your life depends on whether or not this works. Other people's life depends on how it works. Let's, let's go through this again so you make sure you understand it. Um, you know, our, our guys are they're phenomenal. I don't think that's a rarity to find in law enforcement is people that are passionate about what they do. Yeah. But we've been very lucky with the people that we have working on and doing this job. Because, like I said, they don't they don't get any money from us to do it. Um, we support them any way that we can, but at this time we don't we don't have any dollars to push their way. And I think the piece that, that people don't miss is so every one of my guys that, that's out there teaching, he's got a chief or a sheriff that he's answering to, yeah. and him or her, their chief, their sheriff, is backing them to come and do training for 100%. us because they understand the importance of this training. 
and how it affects all of us. Um, you know, Mississippi had one of the first school shootings in Pearl in 1997. Um, we have people in Mississippi now that work in state government that were there when that happened that actually were students there when that shooting took place. Um, I've had those folks in my class and every single one of them said the same thing. I wish I'd have had this training before then because yeah. I didn't know what to do. Um, you know, teachers just rave about, hey, why weren't we getting this years ago? Well, we didn't have it, but we got it now. Um, you know, we have schools that call us, you know, whether it was in the law, not in the law, they feel enough about it that they want every single one of their teachers trained to know what to do. You know, we have sheriffs, hey, we, I want, I got some folks, it's been a little while, can, can you guys come in and do a training for us and get my guys, you know, brought back up to speed. And that, that's pre-Uvalde, that's, you know, when stuff's not going on, they're calling us going, hey, we understand this can happen at any second of any, any day, I want my guys uh, brushed up. And then on top of that, our office also plans out and does uh, active shooter exercises. We bring our active shooter instructors to actually be the uh, controllers and coordinators for those and we'll run these guys through a real full-scale exercise. And I mean, we'll bring in helicopters for life flight, we'll bring in everything, firefighters and everybody, and we'll we'll go through the whole thing to say, okay, hey, this is just like it would happen in real life. This is yeah. what we did. An actual dress rehearsal, the way it's supposed to be, the way it's gonna go down. We put the training on as much as possible, so let's put a, a, a big yeah. game situation on and, and push it all out there. And that's a big thing. That's always a hard logistical thing to coordinate. But you guys are doing it, so I know that pushing this, uh, pushing this, getting you guys on the podcast because, like I said, you guys are the model. You guys actually took what we wanted to have happen and made it happen, and we really appreciate that. Um, I'm on the phone with Jim. I, I talk to Jim more than I talk to a lot of other people, um, but that's how much training is getting pushed out through the state of Mississippi. Um, so one of the things that we've done over our old coins. So our old coins are based on the on that logo that's on the poster behind y'all mm -hmm. but our new coins are out and they still have the old logo they still have the old logo on the back but we now have the uh the one team which you see on the banner at the beginning of the podcast mm -hmm. so Baxter, i don't know if you've gotten one of these yet no, i have not thank you very but, much yeah absolutely jim this one's going to be yours thank you awesome um i can't thank you all enough for being here is there anything else that you feel like we need to touch on before we go because like i said you guys are making it happen well, y'all got next on the agenda. We're ready for some more train the trainers. We're, we're definitely ready to push more training to the state of Mississippi. So one of the things that we get asked a lot, so we developed one. So Mississippi actually, we have a law in the state of Mississippi called the Church Protection Act. So it's an actual law that gives citizens authority that have a con, uh, Mississippi enhanced concealed carry permit to work <coughs> security at their church during events. So one of the things that we got asked a lot was, um, you know, the gun doesn't provide security, it's just a tool. So, you know, we came in and, and actually developed a training for churches on developing security programs for churches. Um, so that's something we get asked for a lot that Alert might want to look at is, you know, hey, it, you know, what kind of training can we give these folks? You know, obviously a little different than the live action that we give the, uh, um, the law enforcement officers, but that's a big ticket. Schools and churches right now are the two hot items that we get asked about. Um, so we develop training for us that we do to our churches here that go by the law that we have in the state of Mississippi. But, you know, that might be something Alert might be able to look at. You said it's a Church Protection Act? Yep. So we have the Church Protection Act, and I can't remember the actual statute uh, off the top of my head. But basically this law states, uh, very generically because I'm not a lawyer, but I bring one with me. Um, yes. I was hoping we'd avoid that. Yeah. <laughs> so it basically says that if you've gone through the Mississippi Enhanced Carry Permit training, which is eight hours, um, you can basically be um, brought in by your church, and basically the church has to say, yes, you're part of the security team. They, there's some stuff they have to do. But the church says, hey, you're part of my security team now. Now you can actually protect your church, your, your church congregation and visitors um, from an attack and you're actually covered by state law um, in doing so. And I can't tell you how many churches we've trained. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, has, it has increased more than over, since, since I've been here, the most phone calls that I've received were from parishioners who wanted training at their churches. And wow. I, you know, it's, it's nearly every single week somebody who 
knows me or knows someone who knows me, I get a phone call that says, hey, this guy from his church over in, you know, Tupelo, Mississippi really wants to put something together. And we say, sure, yeah, we're going to, we'll send somebody out and we'll, we'll put together a training for you. And when that happens, all of a sudden, not just one church participates in it, a number of churches in the area want to participate in it because so, they all talk to one another. And so we don't do live training with them like we do in Alert. We don't right. we don't run them through live drills. What we do is we come in and basically talk about everything before the gun. You know, basically everything left a boom. You know, hey, if you got fourteen door, doors in your church, almost like crazy principles. Why do you have Why do you have fourteen open doors? Your your security guys can't monitor fourteen doors and see who's coming in, who how they're acting. Sure. You know, the situational awareness. Um, then we talk to them about, you know, heightened security, better doors, cameras, lighting, all the different things they want to do to try to keep the bad guy out. And then we talk about, you know, how you place people in, in position so you can react to when something happens. And then we talk to them about, you know, once a person gets inside the sanctuary and something happens with all those people, they're not going to do what you think people would do you think everybody's gonna like get down and give you a straight line of fire and stuff like that no some of them are gonna be running this way some are gonna be running that way so we kind of explain to them when we run them we walk them through basically like our orange gun drills you know walk them through stuff like that so they kind of have an understanding Um, we haven't done a lot with them or done anything with them on the sim rounds and some of that's based on liability and and stuff like that but that's uh that's next to alert training churches is the, the next one that we get asked for is you know hey what do we do we have a law that says I can carry a gun and protect my church, but I don't know how. Um, so we kind of walk them through that. And we explain to them, you know, hey, if you do engage somebody, this is what you can expect from a legal standpoint. Don't panic. You know, this is what the law says. Um, That's great. And it's a really brave statement to make, too. If you're an enhanced carry permit holder in the state of Mississippi to say, I'm on my church security team and I'm tasked with defending my church, but I don't know how. A lot of those guys don't know how to say, I don't know how. Mm-hmm. Um so it's important always when I talk about training is to evaluate yourself all the time and make sure that you take advantage of the training that's available and learn from it. I think most of the people that take our training have learned a lot from it, which is why um, we get asked to do it so much. It's why we have such great support from our sheriffs and police chiefs for it. Well, so um, one of the groups that I didn't talk about a while ago when I talked about everybody back home at Alert um, our IT section, or we keep our IT section busy as hell. Um, they run a great website there and they help us to coordinate all the classes and, and do all the planning. So just so you all know, I'm going to be asking for another favor here pretty quick. But maybe we can set up some sort of a link on, on, on our website to coordinate with you guys because things that are important to talk about are this church protection act. Um, the, the laws that you talked about with the teachers, the laws you talked about for the law enforcement officers. And maybe just a link back to you guys, mm-hmm. because if you guys didn't catch the names, it's Jim Brinson and Baxter Kruger. Um, I guess y'all's phones and emails are going to be getting lit up from everybody that listens to this and, and watches this. Um, We're used to it. But you guys have never shied away from helping people out. We don't say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a and that's a big thing, man. It's like you said, you start out with the S and then kind of go from there. Yeah, that's you know that's helped us in everything that we do in our office. I mean, I've been there for almost 21 years. And what the majority of the people that we work for, which are the citizens of Mississippi, the police chiefs, the sheriffs, the first responder community across the board is, they know if they call, one, we're going to answer, and two, if it's within our power to do something, we'll be standing right there next to next beside them on the scene. And, uh, I mean, we, we get called out when people have incidents because they want our, the sheriff or police chief or whoever wants us there to help them work through that problem. You know, hey hey this is what i did no that's great okay you know sheriff chief let's let's do this this and this and you know just basically helping them work through the problem and that's that's huge for the success of this program is that interoperability that that discussion with your sheriffs that discussion with your police chiefs uh we were just talking to the sheriffs um on the mississippi gulf coast today every one of them knows jim brinson every one of them's got his cell phone number every one of them has no issue calling him 24 7. that's why i look like this yeah (laughs) And knowing that he's going to respond and he's going to he's he's going to be there, and I would like I would hope that they would say the same thing about me. Yeah, and that's big, and I think that that's pretty much well known across you know across our program. The the guy that I inherited this position from said the same thing about Jim, so that's that's awesome. So something else that uh, that we added into law, 
we have three dedicated Intel analysts that work nothing but schools. Wow. Um, so they work out of our office in the Fusion Center. So all three of them are sworn. All three of them um, had to have a minimum of law enforcement experience um, before, you know, to be qualified to be hired. And uh, right now, I've got one of them, soon to have all three of them, going to as many schools as they can go between, we started last January, between last January and December, and doing physical security assessments on as many schools in the state of Mississippi as they can. Again, so I can give leadership those numbers on, you know, hey, this is how many doors we found that couldn't be locked, couldn't work. This is how many didn't have fences or fences were broken or didn't have a school resource officer. So we can work with our department, our partners in education and say, you know, if we're going to move funds, this is someplace we need to look at is how do we keep bad guys from getting into our kids? Um, so we, you know, we're, we take our entire program seriously from our training all the way up to what we do operationally, and they work together to, uh, to basically help each other out. So, cool. Guys, I think I'm going to try to wrap it up. So Baxter Kruger, Jim Brinson, the Office of Homeland Security for the state of Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're interested in our podcast or our program, um, the alert program can be found at alert, A-L-E-R-R-T dot org. Um, we also have a conference page. It's uh, alertconference.org. And you can email me directly at the podcast. It's thecall um, at alert.org, thecall at alert.org. So any way that we can help you out, uh, we will. Um, I'll try my best to get you guys, get all of you guys in touch with them. And um, we'll keep pushing training out there as much as we can. Awesome. Can't really thank you all enough for being here. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. you.